Turn with me to the book of John, chapter 10. This is going to be a little bit of a continuation from where we were last week. Um, Last week, we were talking about um, the man who was born blind. Jesus came along. He, He spit in some dirt, rubbed it together, made mud, smeared it on the guy's eyes, and through holy spit, made the man see again. I'll take Jesus' spit any day. Amen? There is power in everything of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what it is. He is able to use or utilize anything and everything. There's nothing that our God can't do. That's just the simple, plain fact. We're going to be taking a look here at just the the first, I don't know, maybe the first half of chapter 10. You may see that it says there, if the top of yours gets some headers, it says, I am the good shepherd. And Jesus Christ is exactly that. And he's about to explain some of that for us. And so take a look at that. We're going to read verses 1 through 21. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door... Um, is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, uh, to him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech used with them Uh, Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And all who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The, uh, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay Lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There is again, um, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? And others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So again, as you can see with the way that this finishes out there in verse 21, this is a continuation of 
the conversation that Jesus was having between his disciples, between the Jewish leaders. The Jewish leaders still just can't, can't grasp that Jesus Christ did this thing, especially on a Sabbath. One, they can't figure out how he's doing it, but they can't believe he would, he would even consider doing it on a Sabbath. How dare he? And we talked about some of that last week, about what that should look like for these, for these Jewish leaders. They should have been excited seeing what Jesus Christ has just done. I mean, he did the impossible. And the man even testified to that fact. He said, nowhere have you ever seen anything like this done before. So we get to see, as we start now in chapter 10, Jesus starts us off, you always hear me say this, when you, say, when you see the words truly, truly, it means what? Stop and pay attention. Jesus has got something for you to hear. It's important. You need to hear it. You need to soak it in. Don't, don't skip over it. He's saying, truly, truly, I say to you, right? These are words that Jesus is sharing, and, and especially because Jesus is sharing these, we should pay extra attention. So he says, he who doesn't enter by the sheepfold, uh, by the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that that man is a thief or as a robber. Um, back in this day, the sheep, sheepfolds, if you kind of just to draw a picture for you, the sheepfolds oftentimes were butted up against something so that there was protection. They had some protection already. So oftentimes it would either be butted up against a house, up against a rock wall, um, some sort of a, 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 an area where the shepherds could go, I ain't got to worry about something coming from that direction. I've only got to cover these other areas. And sometimes they even kept them in caves to help protect the flock. Sheep were very important back then, back in this time. And, and so and when Jesus is referencing this sheepfold, he's allowing for us to see there is some protection that is being offered. But there's also a lot of lapses in that protection. And because of that, we need help. Because of that, we need, in this case, a shepherd. Because of that, we need someone who is there to guard and keep watch and then even protect when needed. What's Jesus talking about here? He says that, you know, this, this place has a gatekeeper, but the gatekeeper isn't the shepherd. He's just the guy that's going to open the gate for the shepherd. And so Jesus talks about a lot of things all throughout the section that we read. There's a, uh, there's a story about shepherds, that it, and, and it's, it's kind of hard to find online, and, it's, and it, they claim it's mostly rumor, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. Um, there's a, uh, a knife that is called a lagiole knife, and on this knife, these shepherds would have this lagiole knife, it just, it just it's like, it looks like a dagger, and it would have a cross on it. And what they would do is, is these shepherds who were, who were vested in their flock. They, they couldn't afford to have a wolf or anything come along and steal one of these sheep, kill one of the sheep. They couldn't have people come along and steal from their flock. It was too costly. This was their livelihood. This is how they made it from day to day. And so they would carry with them these daggers to help protect. It served as a tool for them to work, but it was also there to help protect them. And so what they would do is this knife had a cross on it, and the cross would be upside down when they were holding it. And then as they were using it, 
the idea would be that the cross it was upside down to the shepherd, but it was right side up for whom he was protecting. And then when they would go to bed at nighttime or when they would go to eat, they would take that dagger and they would turn it this way and stick it into the ground so that the handle was upright. And the idea was that as they were sleeping, when they woke up and they took a look towards their fields, that dagger would be standing right there in their way and they would see the cross and it would be in the upright position so that they could see it, so that then they could offer up a prayer to the Lord asking for his help and his guidance. They would do the same. They would stick that dagger down into a loaf of bread, and that cross would be upright and correct for them to be able to pray over the provision that the Lord has provided for them. Whether that's a true story or not, doesn't really matter. Sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds like a great thing for someone to do who is in charge of something so precious, doesn't it? It seems like, like the person who is going to care for this flock, the person who's going to be in charge of, of keeping up the sheep, the person who's going to be, have this vested interest, he's going to want more help than what he could probably provide on his own. And for each of us as Christians, we can find that, hopefully we find that same sort of mentality, that, that I can do a whole lot on my own, but you know what I need more than anything? I need the Lord Jesus Christ in my life to help me and guide me and give me wisdom, give me strength, give me encouragement, give me power. I need everything that Jesus Christ can offer to me because I can't do it all on my own. And so that story of the shepherds, it's a great reminder of how these people will live their lives day by day completely and solely leaning on the Lord. The life of a shepherd... It's not an easy one. It's difficult. They always have to be on. On and on alert. Predators, they come in all shapes and sizes. Um, it wasn't just animals that would come. As I said, you would have people that would come in and try to steal these flocks. They had a lot that they should be concerned with. But when Jesus is talking about some of these things, you know, he starts us off with, he says, he who doesn't enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief or a robber. And it talks about the way that the shepherd comes in. The shepherd comes in the right way. And the way that, the way that this is laid out, it says that the sheep then learn and they hear the shepherd's voice. They know the shepherd's voice. It talks about how the, the sheep won't follow a stranger's voice because they know to whom they belong. Now, all of this is obviously metaphorical. Jesus here is laying this out so that he's, he's speaking to them in a manner that they can understand, that they can, they can grasp what he's trying to express here. They knew things like farming and sheep and, and all of those sorts of things that I have no clue about. I mean, here he would have needed to talk about how an Apple computer is only reliable enough as its person that built it or something. I mean, I, if you're not relating it to technology, I've got nothing. Um, ask Timmy. He knows I can't do anything that involves growing or fixing a motor. So, you know, it, it's, it's just one of those things. But here Jesus is trying to relate to the people. Why? Because he always meets us where we are. Jesus Christ has always met us where we are. And here he's talking to them. The beauty to this is that even though he's breaking this down, he's getting on their level, we get to see towards the end, they go, they didn't get it. They got nothing. They're looking at him going, are you, are you talking about sheep? He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, you know, Jesus isn't just talking about sheep here. 
He says, when the sheep hear his voice and he, and, and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. That's Jesus Christ talking about me and you. Jesus Christ talking about those who are trusting in him as their Lord and their Savior. And that, that when you know Jesus Christ, you are able to differentiate between the good shepherd and the false one. Because I'm here to tell you that they exist. The false prophets, the false preachers, the false everybody exists. Satan has employed many tactics. It's just the truth of it. So, we get to see that it's, Jesus is talking about how these sheep are going to hear his voice, how these sheep are going to, to follow him. You see, the sheep are comforted. They feel safe. They feel protected. When they hear the voice of the shepherd, they, they know that he is going to lead them rightly, not into danger, that he is watching out for them. Sort of sounds a lot like what Jesus does for us, doesn't it? That Jesus Christ leads us rightly. He watches out for us. He offers us protection. He gives us hope. With Jesus Christ, we know that we can lean upon him, that we can trust him. When we hear that strange, that strange voice, when we get that strange feeling, I mean, you can liken it to, uh, my wife likes to say a lot of times, it's the devil and the angel sitting on your shoulder. We all saw those cartoons growing up, right? It's, it's that same sort of idea that hopefully as we're going through life that we can hear and distinguish between which one is who. Because what I'm here to tell you is that Satan has got a very sly tongue. He loves to tell you things that you want to hear. He loves to share with you things that you're going to want to do. He loves to tickle your fancy just enough to get you to lean away from following Jesus Christ. But the truth is, is that Jesus Christ, one, he doesn't have to do those things. He just simply tells you truth. You accept it or you don't. Jesus Christ doesn't have to worry about tickling your ears because he tells you what is good, what is right, what is just, and then he says, here's the hope. What anybody else may promise you is simply temporary here. What anybody else may promise you is not lasting. But he offers us something more, doesn't he? He offers us everlasting life. And when we follow him, when we hear his voice, when we trust him and we believe in him, that strange voice makes us want to do just like the sheep makes us want to run. Get away from whatever that is, from whoever that is. So Jesus then, he comes back to them because it says that this figure of speech, remember he said, it says that it, it confused them. They didn't understand. And so he starts off again there in verse 7. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them. He says, I am the door. This is the third in the book of John, the third time or the third I am statement that Jesus makes. There's going to be a total of seven of these I am statements when, as we go through the book of John. And this is the third time that he's used this type of statement of I am. For the Jewish leaders, they're going to hear that language. It's going to infuriate them. They're going to hear it and they're going to say, how dare you use the language of, of God the Father? But they don't realize who Jesus is that he is God the Son. They don't 
know him. They can't recognize his voice. They've not heard him in their hearts. So where Jesus then says, and again, truly, truly, pay attention. I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. He says, I am the door. Jesus here is speaking with authority, and he's speaking bluntly. Now, he's not worried so much about who's going to hear him or how they're going to interpret it. Jesus is now saying, this is who I am. And that I am statement is to let the Jewish leaders know who exactly he is and who they are dealing with. This is a statement of authority. This is a statement that he is giving bluntly. And Jesus is saying that he is the door by which all must enter. He is the gatekeeper. He is the shepherd. He is the way. Period. And these Jewish leaders are not going to take a liking to what it is that he's saying. Jesus Christ is that door by which we all must enter. Jesus Christ is the only way that we, can, that we can come to the Father. There are other people that Jesus is trying to warn against. Um, there are, you know, back in that time especially, there were people who were claiming Messiahship. They were, they were claiming to be something that they obviously weren't. And Jesus is describing here, he describes them as these thieves and these robbers because, because if you think about it, it's exactly what they are. I mean, have they stolen anything physically? No. But if I was to stand here today, and I was to tell you that there was any other way to the Father, you don't have to go through Jesus. You don't have to believe in Jesus. If you want to, you can just, just be a good person. Just be a good person. You're going to be fine. You can make it to heaven just being a good person. If I did that, you know what I am? I am a thief and I am a robber because I am stealing your life. Period. I am robbing you of everlasting life, of eternal life. So not only am I a thief, not only am I a robber, but I'm also a murderer because I'm killing you. It's that strong. If I stand here before you and I knowingly misguide you, I knowingly share a false gospel, a false doctrine, and I tell you that there is anything else that can be done for you to get to heaven, I'm lying to you. Scripture tells me that I'm going to pay doubly for that. So I'm not doing it. You're not going to hear that from me today. I'm going to tell you, Jesus Christ is the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. That's all you're ever going to get from me. It does bring up other questions. There's always going to be questions that are going to arise from those things. If you have questions around those things, stop me and, and ask me and, 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 and inquire about those things. I want people to know what this means when we say jesus christ is the way the truth and the life and it's only through him that you've got to come to the father that is a hundred percent absolute truth that we are charged as as disciples of jesus christ of going out and sharing that gospel with people of, of letting people know who he is but remember what i said jesus christ meets us where we are doesn't he have you ever been in a situation or even heard maybe you've heard of somebody who they didn't go to church. Have you ever heard of a situation where, where someone, all of a sudden, they professed faith in Jesus Christ, yet they were never introduced to him? Have you ever heard that? Because that's, that's happened. That's happened where people have, have come to the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is because he's revealed themselves to them. 
He makes himself known. We have to pay attention. He wants all who are willing to come to him. He doesn't want anyone to perish. It's what, the, it's what Scripture tells us. He wants none to perish. It's the reason he is so, so patient. He wants none to perish. But we have free will. And we have a choice to make, don't we? Jesus Christ can reveal himself to us all he wants to. We still get to say yea or nay. And that's the truth of the gospel. When he reveals himself to us, we have to either accept him, his grace, his salvation, or we reject him. And it's the difference between heaven and hell. It's the truth of that. You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. When he reveals himself to you, when he meets you where you are, that may be in that pew, that may be kneeling at this altar, it may be while you're at home, it might be while you're on your tractor, you're driving down the road, it may be wherever you are. But Jesus Christ will meet you. It's up to you to decide if you're going to follow him. And if you choose to reject him, that is on you. It's not Jesus sent you to hell. You sent yourself to hell because you rejected the Savior, period. It's only through Jesus Christ that you can be saved. That's the truth. So Jesus lays out that there's these other false prophets. In Acts chapter 5, it talks about for before these days, um, uh, Theudas rode up claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400 of them, joined him, and then he was killed, and all who followed him were just simply dispersed, and they came to nothing. It says, after him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census, and he drew away some of the people after him, and he too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. They came to nothing. In Acts uh, chapter 21, um, it says, uh, are you not the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men of the, of the assassins out into the wilderness only to be defeated? You see, throughout history, throughout Scripture, we get to see this evidence of other people who tried to step into the shoes of Jesus Christ, but they failed. Number one, they were killed. You don't hear about their resurrection, do you? It's just simply that they killed. And then what happened to the followers that they had? They fell away. It says that they were scattered. Jesus Christ, however, yes, he died, didn't he? He died on a cross. He suffered a sinner's death, even though he was blameless and sinless. And yet three days later, praise God, he rose again from the dead, didn't he? And you know what? There's witnesses upon witnesses upon witnesses who witnessed him walking. And not only him, but other people who he brought up from the grave were there and walking with him. You can't deny the fact that you've got 400 plus witnesses throughout history who have made this claim. They saw Jesus Christ. They saw him with the holes in his hands. They saw him with the holes in his feet. Even Thomas the doubter, he said, I'm not going to believe until I put my hand into his side. Jesus reached up and said, here you go. Do it. Jesus Christ is alive. He's defeated death. Jesus Christ is our Savior, the one who has risen to prove himself to be the true one and only Savior of the world. It talks about in the, the next part of Scripture there, uh, verses like 9 and 10, it says, If anyone enters by me, it says he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. We can find comfort 
We can find safety. We can find everything that we need through Jesus Christ. But it says here in verse 10 that the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. And he says, but I came so that you could have life and have it what? Abundantly. Satan, Satan doesn't want you to know Jesus. Satan wants to detract you. He wants, you to, draw, he wants to draw you away. He, he hates that Jesus Christ has what he has. And that is followers. That is people who love him. People who will live their lives for him. It says that, that, that uh, it says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That thief is Satan. That is, that is Satan. You, I mean, we don't talk about him a lot in churches anymore. It's almost like he just, poof, vanished and disappeared. But he's real. He exists. And if you think he can't exist inside of a church building, think again. Do you know how many churches have been destroyed by Satan? Do you know how many churches have been destroyed because, because Satan came in and caused so much confusion that they were willing to split over the color of carpet? Because they didn't like the paint that was on the wall. Because they needed a new copier. It's true. Satan isn't barred from walking through those doors. He can exist here in this place. He would love to come and dwell here. And let me just tell you, if we don't safeguard ourselves, if we don't lean to the good shepherd. We can be overtaken. He is like a wolf waiting and ready to pounce on even the smallest, smallest of, of anything that he can take grasp of. Satan wants us to deter and walk away from Jesus Christ. And oftentimes, we, we get this picture this, that's, that's painted that here, you're in this safe place. You know what's safe about this place? That we are professing Jesus Christ and that we are the body of Christ. That's what's safe about this place. That we band together, that we lift up Jesus Christ on high and we praise his holy name. And that in the name of Jesus Christ, we cast off anything that may come against us. But you see, we don't talk about those things in church anymore, do we? It's hard to talk about those things. We don't want to picture those sorts of things. We don't want those things to, to, to sort of weigh upon our minds or, or to think about those things. But Jesus tells us in other areas, he says, if anyone enters by me, that he will be saved. He will go in and out. He will find pasture. In Matthew chapter 7, it says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. This door, this door that Jesus keeps he will open it to you if you will seek after him. And Matthew, also there in Matthew chapter 7, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to what? Destruction. If it seems like an easy way out, if it seems like an easy road to take, don't do it. Go to the Lord. Ask him for help. Ask him for guidance. Because it says, those who enter by it are many. Those, that's not the group you want to be in. Matthew 25, verse 10, it says, And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him and into the marriage feast, and then this door was shut. You see, this door that Jesus opens, it's only open for a time. It's not open forever. Because we know that at some point, Jesus Christ is going to return. And when he returns, 
the doors are going to close, much like the door on the ark closed when it came time for the flood. It didn't say that Noah shut the door. It says that God shut the door. And when God shuts the door, it doesn't open back up. And if you've not made it to the safety of the Lord at that point, when he closes that door, I'm sorry to tell you, there's a direct path for you. It's not up. And that's a hard thing to hear. It's a hard thing to preach, but it's the truth. In John 14, though, John 14, 6, and you've heard me mention it already several, several times, it says, Jesus says to them, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And that's what we know and hold as truth. The thief, Satan, comes only, remember the word there is only, to steal, kill, and destroy. So who do you want to follow? Do you want to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, have a hope of eternity, have eternal life? Or do you want to follow someone who's fake, false, and just wants you to go to hell and suffer for the rest of your life? It's really that simple. Jesus is the complete opposite of Satan. It says Jesus came for life so that you can have it abundantly. Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus wants you to have life and have it abundantly, but you can only achieve that if you follow him. Go down to verse 11 there, and this is where we're going to, we're going to get close to, to wrapping up here. I promise I'm not going to keep you uh, too much longer. But he says, you know, I'm, this, I'm the good shepherd. The, the shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand is not a shepherd. He who does not own his sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep, and he flees, and the wolf snatches and scatters them. And he says he flees because he is a hired hand, and he doesn't care anything for the sheep. But Jesus says in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is the fourth I am statement. It's the fourth time Jesus is going to refer to the I am in his words. He's making another bold claim here that the Jewish leaders are going to recognize. He's referring to himself as the good shepherd. The Jewish leaders would have recognized this in other scriptures, much like Psalm 23, where it starts out with, the Lord is my shepherd. Isaiah 40, that says, uh, speaking of God, it says, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. Jeremiah 23 says, woe to the shepherds to destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended them. And he says, Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds. See, the Lord is going to make those that, that do the false work. The Lord is going to meet them where they are as well. But it's going to be a completely different way. He's going to make them pay for their, for their deeds. He says, I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them. He says, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. So Jesus Christ, just like what is being described here in these other verses in Psalm and Isaiah and Jeremiah, that there's this idea of this good shepherd, and Jesus Christ is letting that be known, that he is the good shepherd. That there are others pretending to be a shepherd, that there are 
there are those who want to play the role. But see, the problem is, is that, that you have these people that, that come forth, and just like the hired hand, it says they don't care about what happens. They don't care. They're just simply a hired hand. They're just simply there to earn a wage. They just want to go home at the end of the day. Jesus Christ, however, is invested in you because he created you, because he knew you before you were formed in the womb. He is, in fact, God. Jesus Christ isn't pretending. He has proven himself to be the Lord. And Jesus is the good shepherd. He talks about this, about how he says in verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, that I must bring them also, and that they will listen to my voice, so that there will be then one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, and then I'll take it up again. And he says, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. He says, this charge I've received from my Father. The, the amazing thing here is that this isn't just for the people who have chosen to follow Jesus. This is for those that are considered to be the Gentiles, the non-believers. See, what Jesus is talking about here is he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I have the Jewish people, I have the people who have chosen to follow me, he says, but there's others that are out there, and guess what? I'm still pursuing them too. I haven't given up on them. Just because they've not professed faith in me yet doesn't mean that they won't. And so he will be relentless in the way that he goes out and pursues people. He's pursuing you and I. And if you've not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, he's pursuing you. Even now, to this day, that this particular very moment, he is watching over you. He is sending out his Holy Spirit to touch and talk to your heart. And he wants you to believe. He wants you to profess faith in him. And because of this, he says, he says I've got to bring them also. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He says, once they hear my voice, once they can hear me, they will follow me. But he's got to break through to them. Because sometimes we are so hard-headed. Sometimes our ears are so clogged. Sometimes our hearts are so hardened that we won't let him or anything else in. We have to be open to the idea. So he says, for this reason, the Father loves me, and because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. Jesus Christ died for everyone in this room. He died for everyone outside of this room. He died for the entire world. He died for the Jews. He died for the Gentiles. He died for the white. He died for the black. He died for whoever you are. He died for you. Whether you want to accept him or not, at this point, is moot. It doesn't matter. He died for you. You have to have that understanding. He died for you. Whether you want to accept it or not, whether you believe it to be truth or not, He still died for you. You can sit here and say that Jesus Christ is a false prophet, that this whole thing's been made up. It's all a fairy tale. doesn't matter. He still died for you. He doesn't care if you like it. He doesn't care if you like Him. You can hate Him. He still died for you. doesn't matter. Jesus Christ died once, it says, for all. So that he could be the one true Savior. So that he could be the one good shepherd. So that there would be one faith. So that there would be one family. So that there would be one flock. So that there would be one shepherd. So that we would all know exactly who it is that we're looking to. And it's the Jesus. It's only him. It says that 
He laid down his life. And nobody else could take it from him. He says he laid it down of his own accord and he has the authority to take it up again. Because God has charged him with that. He has the power. Because there is God the Father and there is God the Son. And that is who Jesus Christ is. Jesus pursues everybody. Nobody is left out. So we only have just a couple of things. It says that we're going to have to listen to the voice of Jesus one way or another. On one hand, we're going to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. But on the other hand, he's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. You have to figure out where you lie in that statement. In those two statements, is he going to look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or is he going to say, go away, because I don't know you? It's a tough question. And you're the only per- person that can figure that out. I can't figure that out for you. No one can. It's, it's, it's strictly between you and Jesus. And it talks about there in verse 19, 20, and 21 about how this caused division. It continues to, to cause division. It'll continue causing division up until the point that we get to read in John where, where he is crucified on that cross. And even then, the Jews still aren't satisfied. This is a story that's been going on for more than 2,000 years now. It'll always be going on. But we have to make a choice. So, Timmy, just put the last thing up there. Oh, you already had stuff up there. Look at you go. Um, These statements here, these are the things I just want you to take with you today. That Jesus Christ is the good shepherd, that he is pursuing you, that he knows you by name, that he gave his life for you, and then he died to protect and save you. Do you believe that? If you believe that, that's great. But if you're not so sure, then put up the last one, Timmy. There's not one more? I think there's one more. There should be one more. There you go. Jesus is alive. He's not dead. He was crucified on a cross. He was, he was buried for three days. And when they rolled that stone away, Actually, when the stone was rolled away, not anybody, the Holy Spirit rolled that thing away. He wasn't there anymore. He is alive. He is the living Savior that you can believe in, that we have proof of. So today, I'm asking you to trust your life to the Good Shepherd. Don't trust it to me. Don't trust it to Bethlehem. Don't trust it to anybody else in this room. Trust your life to Jesus Christ. He is the way and the truth and the life, and you will You will only find hope. You will only find rest in him. He is the one who is able to do and accomplish all things. But it's up to you to choose whether you want to believe or follow him or not. So let's pray together. Lord, as we come before you, I just want to recognize you as being our good father. I want to recognize you as as being the one whom we need, because without you, we have no hope. Lord, I thank you for meeting us where we are. Lord, I thank you for giving us your word. I thank you for this type of message where we get to see that, that you are there, that you are meeting us where we are, but, but God, that there are other forces at work that want to deter us from you, that Satan is there, that he is real, and that he doesn't want us to profess, to profess faith in you. So in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would cast away any doubts and that we would trust in you completely and totally. 
Speak to our hearts in a way that we can recognize your voice. You tell us when we hear your voice that we will know you. So Father, speak to our hearts and let us hear you speak to us. We know it's not this audible thing. We know that we're not just going to hear you cry down and, and, and speak out our name in this audible, external way. We know that you speak to us. So send your Holy Spirit to touch our hearts, to open it up, to allow our minds to be shut off completely and that we can feel you. Feel your presence. We need you. We need you more now than ever. We know that there is going to come a day. There is going to come a day when the door will be closed. It's not a scare tactic that I share with these people, God. It's a, it's a truth that you've revealed to us. So Lord, help us to receive it rightly. That it's not a threat, that it is a way that you are trying to help us to avoid death and an eternal life in hell. So help us to, to hear you. Reveal yourself to us in ways that we can see, that we can comprehend, that we can hear, that we can feel. Lord, I know that once that happens for any person in this room, once we are touched by you, by your Holy Spirit, we'll know that it's true. We'll hear your voice and we will run to you. We thank you, God, for pursuing us always. Thank you for being our good shepherd, for being our good father the one who loves us, the one who cares for us, and the one who died for us. Thank you, Jesus. Pray this in your holy and precious name. Amen.